0: I'm a nerd overdrive. Oh, I will always uh, survive. Bad boy, never lie. Never lie. It's going to be a bad boy, baby. Yeah, like, I mean, what do we got? You in in it, um, you know, again, kind of narrow down. Too long, but yeah. I think they're uh, kind of a generalized. Um, I've got themes, and I think they'll be they'll be good enough for tonight. And
1: uh, I don't think we have to talk about Sinestro Quest at all, do you?
0: No, I don't think so yeah. either. Um, unless you know, we uh, actually uh, include this as the talking, in which case, then you know, we've just mentioned it. Send a quest. Send a quest. Send a quest. Uh, <laughs> so, because we'll be doing further work with that, obviously. My battery at five percent. I'm not going to be. I'm just going to read it and be done. Well, there's the other advantage of it being narrow. Uh, you know, then you, you're on on track. Or not at all. All right, let me guide you through this, man. Okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be... Rick, look at me. Look at me. Now look at your microphone. Now look at your recording equipment. Now look at me. Yeah. I'm Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com. Could you hear my eyes moving? That was you? I thought that was just the drip of the coffee behind me. But anyway, this is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com. And we are podcasting on... Ooh, it's the 25th of January... How did January go by this fast? But uh, I feel like this is this is the NPR host eat portion of the of the podcast. Anyway, it is Wednesday, January 25th, and it is 7.53. We're not responsible for any news that happened before or after this time, but we are going to talk about some geek stuff. I am, of course, sitting at the Brett Cave, and across from me is the fabulous podcast producer, Rick Brett Snyder. Yes, and uh, we do not have Nate Costa, but it's not yet. You, know, you know, I just kind of... I admit something, and to anybody listening who misses Nate, I just kind of presumed because Teachers is like on TV, and by the way, Nate is working on a show which has achieved what I think is a singular honor, One Million Moms has officially started protesting Teachers. Wow. They've made the big time. Yeah. It's awesome. And
1: uh, (laughs) Are they calling him out by name? (laughs)
0: No, <laughs> all, all million moms or all the teachers calling,
1: all calling out Nate Costa.
0: Apparently, on last night's episode, there was because I'm way behind on teachers. I'm, I'm recording. I'm right sorry, now. you know that. Uh, sorry, Nate. That um, there was a joke about Jesus, mm. and uh, they did not like that portrayal. I don't know if it was a big physical gag. Or Would
1: Jesus it? have approved?
0: I don't want to get into theology. Okay, let's well, <laughs> But I believe he bad has enough. Sense, we get into comedy. As I have said to my son, um, my only hope of getting into heaven is that God has a sense of humor, hmm. because Lord knows that's all that's all I got going for me. To which my son looks at me very gravely and says, "Don't worry." He does, so I got that going for me. There you go. And and, uh, anyway, we got a little comics news, a little movie news, a little TV news, and we're just gonna and we'll do our regular recommendations. The what's in the bag tonight? We're gonna be a little leaner and meaner for 2017. I just noticed Rick's coffee mug, which is um, Sorcerer's Apprentice. It is. It is beautiful. A thing of beauty. And of course, another thing of beauty is iTunes. If you're listening to us on iTunes, rate us, review us, subscribe, and tell your friends. You can do the same on Google Play. You can also find the podcast on the website. Each and every podcast has its own page, along with, if you hear about something, uh, hear about something on this podcast that you wish to purchase for yourself and you cannot find at your local brick-and-mortar store, and let me stress that, check out your comic, your local comic shop first for something. Uh, If you can't find it there, you can order it through a link on our page, at through Amazon.com, and we do get a little bit of a kickback for each and every item that is ordered through Amazon through our page. It's kind of a nudge back. It's a little. It's a. It's not even a nudge. It's more of a nudge. <laughs> it's just kind of a. Um, you know, but that's all right because then, then you know, I really feel good. It doesn't happen very often. Right. Right. I, but I, I. I don't mean that. Nobody listening. Go. Oh, he's ungrateful. No, I feel good when I see specifically something we talked about gets picked up. Gets picked up and yeah. I know that it's like, oh yeah, somebody listened and liked that. I'm like, yay, that's awesome. Uh we made somebody happy. <laughs> we did. You can also check out Think Geek, which is another <laughs> thing that makes me happy and then I go, wow, there's just too much I want. Mm-hmm. And where am I going to put that stuff? Exactly. But uh, we have an affiliation with Think Geek and you can use the ad there on Fanboy Planet and go there. Uh as well, uh if you'd just like to s- help support and or rather let's say defray the cost of the podcast itself, hosting the cost of the website, uh please you can donate money to PayPal to us through editor at fanboyplanet.com, as well as if you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism. You just like the way Rick's hair is looking tonight. It's a uh, I use it's, conditioner, it's right? a little tussled, yeah. but you know, it's more of a casual Hey there! I'm producing, and I don't care. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I shaved. That's good. Uh, I don't. I won't tell you what it means. Uh, but anyway, you can write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. You can, of course, comment on the on the podcast page. Uh, we'd be happy to get your comments there. I love seeing people do that, and uh, th- that's been a recent phenomenon in Fanboy Planet three point where you can through Discus, actually comment directly on articles. And I love having that that back and forth, as well as our Facebook page. Check us out at Facebook at Fanboy Planet, or Twitter, at Fanboy Planet, or even Instagram, at Fanboy Planet. Anyway, let's talk about a little bit of comics news before we get into reviewing or recommending. Because we've read some, but probably not as many as we want to recommend this week. Yeah. Yeah. Is um, I just want to say, it's the only bit of politics that we're going to get into this week, uh, or actual politics that affect people's lives. On the recording. On the recording, <laughs> yes. Sorry. Um, that... Uh, Just want to say a shout out to Top Shelf Productions uh, that John Lewis's, Representative John Lewis's graphic novel series, the three-volume March, about his experiences in the Civil Rights Movement and the March on Selma, uh, won the American Librarians Association Award Bravo! this week. It has already won the National Book Award as well. So this is the political thing. Whether you are pro or against, it is interesting to me that when um, there was a little bit of a, shall we say, kerfuffle uh, over in the Martin Luther King holiday, uh, where uh, right before the inauguration, uh, inauguration, John Lewis said he would not be attending, Trump tweeted out, matter of public record, this is not a political statement, (laughs) this is an actual fact, he tweeted out a, shall we say, diss back to John Lewis, Mm -hmm. and in response, Amazon sold out. Of all copies of March wow. before I could even wow. like post a little article saying, hey, by the way, you should read March. I mean, you, know, you want to know, did John Lewis ever accomplish anything? He was really there in the trenches. Again, you can agree or disagree with him now. Yeah. You can't say the guy has done nothing. <laughs> and he was beaten badly, and that's one of the reasons I find that book, uh, that trilogy, to be somewhat disturbing. And I have to keep putting it down because I get very upset. Uh, looking at it, you know, and realizing what pain that guy went through, and it's not, it's not fiction, right? You know, yeah, they were they were sold out. I assume they have more, in, but I I've heard uh, reports all over the country coming into my Twitter feed and on Facebook, uh, like I'm the center hub, just because I subscribe to a lot of people that basically bookshops across the country were sold out by Monday. Wow. And so you know, if you can find it uh, back on Amazon or at your local bookshop, pick it up. There's a box set of, of all three together, and I haven't read the third volume yet. I picked it up at Comic Con, but uh, it really is. I mean, I was reminded today when I went through the archives and found this old Harvey that my profile on Harvey Picar from American Splendor. We always, I saw that we always talk about, you know, how comics aren't just obviously superheroes, and we know we're past the point. But I sometimes forget about the power of it as a as a nonfiction,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, you know, and uh, and how long that's been going on. But you know, John Lewis wanted to do graphic novel rather than write memoirs straightforward because he was influenced in a, I think it's a 1956 publication that was distributed throughout the South when Martin Luther King was just starting. Like there was a comic book handed out to children about the story of Martin Luther King. Because in, uh, some it was in 1964, he, John Lewis was only like 20 or 21. So he was like a middle schooler when he picked up this comic book about Martin Luther King and it in, and it inspired him to follow King's advice and then join King in his crusade. And so he felt in the modern day that he wanted to repeat that experience for children and communicate to them directly and show them, the way he had been inspired through the graphic uh, through the graphic uh, medium. So, you know, creating a a trilogy (coughs) through top shelf productions and uh, you know, to Chris Staros, the owner, I guess IDW actually owns it now, but the publisher, the editor in chief of, of top shelf, Chris Staros, really, really great guy but kudos to him for taking a chance on it in the first place yeah. you know and uh, and for and if you haven't looked at the top shelf and um, they they finished up the league of extraordinary gentlemen that's probably the the closest to a really mainstream book they did but they have become a publisher now it's the IDW booth and when I go to a convention and I see the IDW booth I'm going to make a beeline for top shelf and I pick up at least one thing uh-huh. because there's always something that's like quirky. It's interesting, and I have yet to be disappointed. Well, they published, uh, I think, one of your favorites, blankets. I think they were the ones that published blankets.
1: Oh, it could be. It's been a long time since. Around. So
0: I know, as, long as you forget which imprint. Yeah. You know, I've been trying to f- parse some of that out. About like, was that an image book? Was that a Dark Horse? Was that Oni? It's over there, but yeah, we don't know. We've we got a, we've that. got a flow going. Let's here. go. Just the point is getting there. So let's, uh, you know, I. That's my. That's a recommendation. It's not one of our what's in the bag, but it is time for what's in the bag, and say, okay, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do this one because I know you want to. It's so, on the top of my stack. So go, Rick. What's uh, on the top of your stack?
1: Well, flashback to last week,
0: which didn't happen. Which you well, just the messaged last... me and said, I wish we could have.
1: Right. Um, there was the commandy challenge super special, an eight dollar book, which you know. I balk at most $8 books. This was an $8 book that was worth $8 because it was – did you pick it up? There you go. Yeah. That is a heavy –
0: They had to reorder it for me.
1: That is a heavy book. And what's cool about that book is it's all over the Commandy uh, storyline. They've got uh, reprints of uh, Kirby stuff. They've got other stuff, uh, other stories by other – writers there's a bunch there's a storyline in the in the black and white section that really is quite interesting because it talks about it it's a lead in to the Commandy challenge because it's the alternate introduction of alternate worlds where Commandy is different
0: okay yes let me um let me just give the the slight background that you're missing. Ah, the that black missing. and white stuff is these are previously unpublished yes. solicited stories uh, I think part of the what would they call that the DC implosion when they had the DC explosion, because I've read the one um, I see the Sandman in here
1: the Sandman is one I want to talk about, but, but oh, there was say, there was one
0: before that which was yeah that had been published once before okay. because I have read that before it was like in a digest that like they just dumped it when I was a kid in one of those like you know but it's set. almost the
1: germ for the whole thing because it talks about that commandy is in the Sandman universe, Jed.
0: That's interesting. I hadn't really made that connection. Yeah.
1: And this, so I I'm pretty sure it's kind of backed into into the story, but um is is a nice little twist to add into it and to bring Sandman in. Yeah. It would have been nice if it came out in December because it's a it's a Sandman and Santa Claus story as well. Yeah. Um and Sandman's always, you know, Sandman's Pretty wacky with the uh, yeah the so, whole invasion of dreams. Uh,
0: uh, and, and to clarify, that was Jack Kirby's Sandman in right. the seventies, not um, any I think of the ones that come He had like three sense. issues or four issues, and he was sporadic. To go when Neil Gaiman picked him up, right? It was it was a ghost. It, it, right. it was ultimately became um, uh, the Silver Scarab from Infinity Incorporated, what became the Sandman, and then now that version doesn't exist at all because Morpheus is. The Sandman. Right, right. I'm sorry. Don't write in. Daniel is now the the Sandman of the DC universe. Right. But uh yeah.
1: But what a great book. This week we get the first issue of 12, The Commandy Challenge, and I picked up the cover that uh has is the uh um,
0: Bruce Tim Bruce Tim cover. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh just a just a terrific capture of it's it's definitely Bruce Tim, but it's definitely Jack Kirby at the same time.
0: Well Tim was very good at duplicating when you look yeah. at um Superman the animated series, uh mm. battling uh-huh. Ben Turpin is Jack Kirby himself. Yeah. It, it, you know, but definitely looks like a Kirby creation.
1: But that's what you I mean, that's what I thought when I saw mm-hmm. saw it originally in, in the yeah. uh, Fourth World books that Turpin was definitely a Kirby, you know, the yeah. stogie and the yeah, hat. Yeah. yeah. And, so looking, really looking forward to this. This is uh, going to be 12 issues. It's uh, four ninety nine. a little pricey. It's not as thick as the
0: uh, – But it is actually extra length. I read it. I, that was the one I book read I it. read because I knew okay. you were going to recommend it. I thought you'd have read it. Uh, so I yeah. wanted to be able to speak from a position of expertise. I was
1: late going into – so But it, it is length. It, it is um, – there aren't
0: ads in No, this. and there's a bonus chapter in this one. Um, Dan DiDio and Keith Giffen started mm-hmm. off. And then, uh, I can't remember who wrote it, uh, Dale Eaglesham. I did look through that. And uh, is the artist, and he's, I've got the cover by Dale Eaglesham. And the chapter is uh, Dan Abnett, uh, is uh-huh. the writer. So when you said alternate universe, no, this is essentially, uh, there's a little article in the back, essay in the back, explaining, this is the New 52 slash rebirth version of Commandy. But they had so many creators that wanted to work on it, they thought this was a fun way to redo it. Okay. Was to set it up like the old DC Challenge, as I suspected, which is that they they see the cliffhanger from... They get to read the story before. Right. They get to write theirs, but there is no grand plan. Each team has to then just continue... Right, and what we call the I guess the exquisite corpse kind of uh, it's a mic know, drop exercises yeah. follow that yeah yeah. What's interesting is it does feel like it's just a modern retelling of Kirby's version, which on one hand I'm like, oh come on, but on the other hand I'm like yeah. I mean, what are you going to do better than than this original concept, which itself was let's be honest, was a rip off because Planet Kirby of couldn't Apes. get the rights to Planet of the right. Apes, uh, so. To my mind, but he, he did
1: one better, but crazier. He he up the he up the game on. Oh, on absolutely! Comandy.
0: That's what. Yeah. Yeah.
1: The. Um, uh, anyway. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I will go nostalgic for for my first choice. You know,
1: that's I got to take that out of my.
0: Oh no, I, it's okay. That's why I have extras. No, I yeah. Go no, go ahead. Okay. You you you're, you're much more into this one anyway. Batman sixty six meets Wonder Woman seventy seven. Frankly. Any book that begins with a, <laughs> an Alex Ross painting of Adam West and Linda Carter side by side. I didn't see that cover. I I, I got the oh, which, uh, see. That's the thing. Is that yeah. Mike Allred?
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: Um, so yeah, I this, did like the cover, but this is uh, you know it was funny and, and it was the bat shield and the clerk uh, at at elusive said, oh, he looked at it, and went, he has a riot shield, huh? I said, you, it's like. That To me, that is one I looked at and went, oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember those episodes where right. he had that shield up. It unfolds out of the utility belt. Yeah, and he's like – and I said, you don't know that? And I just felt bad that I was – and I felt old that a comic book store, yeah. a clerk, he said, I think I watched a couple of episodes of that. and I, And I'm not – I'm not going to name him because I don't know him he's new to this too elusive. Uh and You got to forgive though. There's I don't so totally do, but stuff. it's just but it is just funny to me that it's yeah. a, it was more of a moment of a shift of yeah, there's a whole generation that doesn't right. really know Adam West as Batman.
1: They know uh, Adam West through
0: Yeah, so this is Jeff Parker and Mark Andraka, who I love. Um decent art inside. David interestingly uh that it's uh, it's using the uh, eartha kit catwoman oh uh-huh. and uh so Carl kessel is the inker it's, it's a beautiful bo- oh my lord i'm thumbing through russell Gould is in it and then there's wonder woman uh, I can't. I can't. It's it's almost too much. I'm verklempt. All right. Go to your next thing.
1: Okay. My next thing is the last thing in, in a series that I've been.
0: i oh, just doing weird crossovers. I've been doing. Cat-
1: I've been loving. um, And that is Tarzan and the, on the Planet of the Apes. Have you re- read any of these?
0: I read the first issue. Okay. I'm going to be honest. They forgot to pull it for me because like, I uh, totally don't put it on my list. So I, I realized I'd missed one because I'd been in L.A. and yeah. thought, oh well, I'll get it at elusive. Not my local comic shop's fault. Totally mine that I forgot to tell them. Hey, I read this first issue and I loved it, and I realized it is the kind of book that I just want the trade paperback. Yeah, and
1: and that's probably a good decision. This is uh, issue five is the end of the series, and it's been. It's it's been an amazingly well written and well crafted story, mm-hmm. with what they've brought into it from the from both sides of the crossover. Probably one of my favorite crossovers of all time. The the way they made it work, the way they they brought whoa, characters whoa, whoa, around. Wait a minute, probably even
0: better than Archie meets the Punisher. Yes. Wow.
1: Yes. Yeah. High praise. Yes.
0: Uh, all right.
1: Tarzan on the Planet of the Apes. I. <laughs> David Walker.
0: Should I just go to, my, to the next crossover before we go Sure, the go right ahead. Do I have any other crossovers in here? No, I don't. Wait oh, a kind minute. Of. Wait a minute. Okay, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I was going to throw that one in, too. I I have too many. Which um, we forgot to... We oh, didn't forget. When the first issue came out, we didn't do a podcast, which was the Star Trek Green Lantern, the second series, and... Being as these are two of my favorite concepts in, mm-hmm. in in one, it's not even that I'm gonna say like Tarzan and Planet's this is my this is one of the best crossovers ever. It's just fun. Yeah. And the way they've set it up that there is um, because there was already a, a miniseries called The Spectrum War that firmly placed the Green Lantern Corps in the Star Trek universe of the future and they implied there was going to be a continuity that they're actually picking it up and, and, going, and, with and it. going with it is is great. And you know, they've at the end of issue one, there was a cliffhanger that basically, because they had a representative from, they had the ones you knew, Kilowog, Guy Gardner, Hal, and John. And then you had uh, the Red Lan- one Red Lantern, you had St. Walker. Right. I, what's the Red Lanterns? Atrocitus. Atrocitus. Yeah. You had Sinestro, uh, Star Sapphire, and the uh, Orange. Uh, and re- yes, oh, how could I forget the Orange Lantern's name? Um, but anyway, they're all there, so there's at least one representative from each from each one of the rings of the batteries. But uh, so there's a, a, a twist at the end of the first issue that sets Sinestro off, and they realize because there are no guardians in this universe, it is established as they've gone into a completely separate reality from where they started, uh-huh. and so and there are no guardians. But there's a twist that basically is, a, is basically. It's everybody racing against Sinestro to uncover where they think uh, the evidence of this universe's version of Oa is. Oh, and so it, it's a it's a clever MacGuffin, and it's just it's just fun. It, you know, you're seeing the the Kelvin universe, the Kelvin timeline, uh, you know, teamed up with the with the Green Lantern Corps. And you know, Chris Pine ended up being uh, Steve Trevor and not Hal Jordan, as is rumored for a while. So we almost had that moment of Professor <laughs> X, you know, meeting Professor uh, meeting Captain Picard. Uh, <laughs> to have Hal facing that, although you know, I'm going to throw in an interesting rumor uh, on the Green Lantern Corps movie at this point, which is that one of the frontrunners to play Hal Jordan for the 2020 Hal, uh, Green Lantern Corps movie is still Ryan Reynolds. Wow. Okay. Which I think would actually be a smart thing to do and sure. just say, like, yeah, if he wants to do it. I don't know. You know, I, I don't know. That's just one of those things that they're they're looking at him. I'm like, That's not a, it's not as dumb a choice as you'd think. It just means, yeah, okay, that movie still happened and it wasn't, you know, as badly done as... Everyone's
1: got an off week.
0: <laughs> or an off decade if um, you are talking about the DC Universe movies. But, <laughs> you know, if you're going to focus on the core... How it can just be a small part? Yeah. You know, you don't have to focus on that. So, Relatively. Yeah. Next on yours.
1: So the next is, um, I love this book. And so how do you make the totally awesome Hulk issue 15 more awesome? And when I say you, I mean me. What do you add to it? Monkeys, maybe this guy in the red pajamas down in the
0: oh geez, they look, added Shang
1: Chi and you just went nuts. <laughs> yep. So and, re, and you've got you've got Silk and you've got uh, Ms. Marvel in there too, right? So
0: well, Ms. Marvel makes sense. I you know yeah,
1: she's champions. champions. Yeah. Um. So I, I just I just had to, to bring that up. And there's a lot of there's I <laughs> I flipped through it. There's a lot of sitting in restaurants in this. <laughs> so <laughs> like they're all um. So just. Totally awesome Hulk is. It has its moments of some drama, but in general, it's it's a pretty fun book. I mean, there was they did a series where Amadeus was really upset with Clint Barton for killing mm-hmm. Bruce killing Banner, Bruce, yeah. and it's still you know they 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 kind of had it out conversation wise, and but uh, so that's probably about as dark as it's gotten. Mm-hmm. But when you got it, when you got. Um, a young man, smart. I think it's been a in great the body concept. of the Hulk.
0: I, I think it's been a great concept. The only, you know, again, my overall problem with with what Marvel's publication concept is right now is that, yeah, I've eased into really liking Amadeus Cho as a totally awesome Hulk, and right. they've already announced that Jennifer Walters will be back from the dead as she's going to be Hulk. Now, maybe there will be that both. book's already out. Right. Is it? Yeah. See, I didn't care. Uh, you know, good. Then at least yeah. because my fear was I was hearing about other Avengers books and things and that like Ms. Marvel's gonna join this. I'm like, No, you've just set up the champion cha- right. champions not the champions, it's just champions. Champions is like this is a great book. And when people ask me, like, well, what's going on over at Marvel that's worth reading? I say the most accessible Right now, and probably, and really, just one of the best is champions and Get rethinking
1: the way a a, com, a a superhero comic should be.
0: Yeah. yeah, you know. On flip side, David Walker, who wrote, was the co writer on Tarzan and the Planet of the Apes. Occupy Avengers. Same thing. Is like you want to. This is the. These are the books that are the reactions to what's really going on. I in finally the world. caught up on that. And it was really. You know, good. these. You know, this is what's going on in the real world. If your superhero was in this, what would they do? You know, and that and that's. And I feel that way about champions. When I see, uh, when my Facebook feed is full of all these people, uh, uh, former students of worth, you know, just really called to action. It's like, well, that's what champions is about too. Although back, um, they still went camping.
1: Back on Occupy Avengers, what what made that book for me was when it first came out, the Red Wolf um, yeah. comic when it first first came out. I, I really liked the book, <laughs> and then everything that they've done with that character, trying to reboot it since then, has just failed for me. <laughs> and I realized
0: Red Wolf way back in the '70s. I do. Okay, so I just wanted to make sure it wasn't the Marvel post Secret Wars version. No, no, that we're talking about.
1: So, um, well, everything since, and then you now have this one. And what's what's doing it for me? It's it's a buddy book. It's not just mm-hmm. him dealing with. The, he's not just the stoic American uh, native dealing with whatever. Um, he and. Spartan are interacting, and that makes, it's the same, you know, you mentioned it's, it's the uh, hard, hard, uh, hard traveling, traveling heroes. heroes thing for Marvel, and that's what's making it for me with a character I really liked originally, and I haven't liked since, so.
0: Okay. I'm going to throw out, uh, no, I'm not going to throw out, because these have been great, this one I haven't read, is for the past four weeks, because they're about to do a Justice League of America rebirth, uh-huh. they've been doing solo spotlight books on the four quote unquote New characters that are going to be there. So it was the Ryan Choi, the Atom. It was Vixen. Uh, last week was the Ray, and this week is Killer Frost. She's going to be a member, which of course is great synergy because Killer Frost is basically a good is a hero on, on the Flash. Flash. Yeah. Um, so I haven't read this one. But Steve Orlando, I believe that's the name, is the guy who's going to write, and she's been a member of Suicide Squad. Uh, Steve Orlando is writing these one-shots that are kind of revising and reintroducing. It's not necess- necessarily, they're not one-shots for us. Like last week, the Ray was essentially every version of that costumed version of the Ray. Uh-huh. You know, not the original 1940s one, but his son. So Happy Terrell, now Ray Terrell. Um, it was the story we've seen three or four times, but if you are brand new to this character... Uh, it is being, revi- you know, it, it was just retelling it, setting it in 2016. And it was like, what a great introduction. When they had done that Adam one shot that explained the origin of Ray Palmer a, f- a few years back post uh, Infinite Crisis, where that was like, well, they just ruined that. You know, they ruined Ray Palmer. And then New 52 has never really known what to do with either Ray Palmer or Ryan Choi. Right. This book, very. Clearly defined it, didn't get bogged down in how Ray Palmer became the Atom, just showed what what the relationship was with was with Ryan and how Ryan now has inherited right, right. the belt. And so I'm like, great, you gave me a good launching point. I don't need anything more. The Vixen was more of an origin story because I guess she hasn't been around in the New Fifty Two, and but it was like, okay, good introduction to the Vixen, vague enough. That it fits exactly with what the Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow and the CWC animated thing is So people doing.
1: aren't confused when they're coming from a different media. Right, right. Yeah.
0: And so, the, you know, I'm going to assume this is the same thing. It's a great setup, and each one has been a really good read for someone who just wants to know what the heck's going on with these characters. Who are they? So, once again, DC, back in rebirth, doing what they should have been doing in the first place, making their stories accessible and fun and inspiring to new readers And so again not necessarily for me But I enjoy when it's done well And I'll invest And so you know this is a reintroduction to old characters That the new That the rebirth era needed So really really happy with that I will throw in Just because it's the hardcover I bought this week You said you've got it on order Yeah uh, From which I I had somehow missed that Dark Horse was doing this The Neil Gaiman Library Library so hard covers of adaptations of his short stories. Forbidden Brides of the Faceless Slaves in the Secret House of the Night of Dread Desire. And since at yesterday's Cinequest launch party, Neil oh, Gaiman was cited <laughs> so many times. <laughs> um, and which you can read our interview with Neil, or you can listen to it on the podcast on Fanboy Planet. Look in the archives, there it is. Uh, under Cinequest 2015, I think was when uh, yes. we interviewed Neil two years ago. So, uh, this is, uh, I you know, I wanted to, to, to call this out in honor of CineQuest, which will be the end of February, but we just attended the media launch party yesterday. So, uh, it's, how much is this? $18. Uh, you know, if you're a Neil Gaiman fan, you need to have it. There's no way around it. You're going to get you're it. You're going to get it. So Nice purple volume. I just want to call it out to people that this is going on my Neil Gaiman library shelf. Alongside... Uh, and you always, you always have to remind me, truthfully, the name of the cover artist that, that was that Bond poster uh, artist that you love. Um, oh, uh, McGinnis. McGinnis, Robert McGinnis. Okay, you know, that uh, all of Gaiman's novels are being re-released with McGinnis. Yeah. Oh, start. yeah, and the, so, the
1: one for um, the sequel to American Gods. Anansi Boys. Anansi Boys. It's,
0: it's, not, it's a side cool.
1: It's a side quote. That, that's my favorite one so far because it's all, it's, it's, it's adorned with the kind of like slinky women from the McGinnis, um, crime, mm-hmm. hard, mm-hmm. hard case crime novel.
0: Yeah. No, I knew you'd love it. You know, yeah. and I knew that was coming. And so it was, uh, you know, it's a good time to be a Neil Gaiman fan. There's so much, because I'll, I'll even say it was announced, you know, give that news to jump ahead just while I'm on the gaming topic that, um, uh, Good omens is coming to amazon prime Neil oh, Gaiman, nice. Neil Gaiman is producing he's going to be the showrunner on an adaptation of of Good Omens, which was kind of a kind of a last promise Terry Pratchett
1: and- yeah,
0: it was Gaiman's first novel he co-wrote it with Terry Pratchett, Terry Pratchett you know gave him that leg up, and it was sort of on I'm not going to say it's a deathbed promise it was a la- it, but it was a last promise to Terry Pratchett that that they would get good, good omens to another medium. And that Neil would make sure that everything was okay with it. And he's going to do that for Amazon Prime. So, you know, we're going to get American Gods on stars this year. We're going to get good omens. Yeah, Look, there are things to live for, people. (coughs) And they're almost all involving Neil Gaiman. Um, (laughs) Other things. Uh, You know, for movies this week, really, the only thing I want to talk about thematically is Star Wars. Because there's so much that's been coming out in relation to Star Wars first of all the title of episode eight right the last Jedi yes which uh, of course now it has everybody freaking out you know I, I think I, I'd seen it elsewhere but you posted to that crawl where it says please don't kill Luke Skywalker please don't kill you know episode oh, yeah. eight the last Jedi Luke Skywalker shouldn't die <laughs> you know, it's seen it's variations on that um,
1: but I also pointed out that Jedi.
0: Everybody pointed it out. Yeah. I did too. You actually posted that after I would posted it on Fanboy Planet, but you didn't see really? it. Really? Yeah. S- the Jedi is a plural. Can be a plural. Is it's a called a singular a and a singular plural. plural. Yeah. And just because, you know, in the terms of, to me, you know, the, the when you, we lose track because of the epic sweep and, and most modern audiences haven't sat through a chapter play, as they say, uh, you know, or, or an old-time movie serial, when something is the last something is really... Particularly the rebirth, yeah. You know, it's the last stand of that guy, and then the, the whole passing thing of the torch. Be, the too. passing yeah. of the torch, which we know that's going to be it. Yeah. um But I will admit that if if Luke Skywalker were to die at the episode, at the end of Episode Eight, it would almost be too much darkness. Yeah. For for what else is actually happening in the real world, you know? So, which there was a, also a big like blow up last week about is Disney. Uh, negotiating with Carrie Fisher's estate to keep her likeness going, and they Lucasfilm announced, "No, we will not do a CG Princess right. Leia. She, you know, whatever their solution is going to be, it is not going to involve a digital resurrection. Which I think is is good. I think Although that's right. yeah. there's also a part of you know, I think Carrie Fisher would be looking down from above or from the side, wherever she is, and cackle like I knew it." <laughs> You know, (laughs) know, it it was
1: something about when we when we watched the one shot of Carrie. It was almost on the screen for too long for in in uh, Rogue One. Rogue One. That uh, it was almost on the screen too long for me to start going. I was my disbelief was kicking in for the image, but not in the but when I was watching uh, Grand Moff talking, um. That didn't bother me as much. Well,
0: because I think the thing is, Peter Cushing was cast, and by all accounts, a lovely man, as they say in every uh-huh. interview. But he was creepy looking. Yeah. Especially as Grandma Tarkin. So it Tarkin. almost worked. So it kind when of yeah. did, you know. Um, I think the thing with you're right is it was too long. It was almost like they were too, too proud that they had done it mm-hmm. in a way that when you looked at, like, Robert Downey Jr. as young Tony Stark. Yeah. It wasn't quite as creepy because, well, the truth of the matter is Robert Downey Jr. always looked a little waxy in that point in time of his life. So if you compare, you know, it actually right, looked very right. accurate to what he looked like then, say in the less than zero years, mm-hmm. both on and off screen, and and for Carrie Fisher, it was just, you know, I mean, my son turned to me and said, "It's it's like a video game, yeah," and it's said, yeah, that was, it was just too long, like they and oh, they keep forgetting that. You need
1: to diffuse a little bit. You can do really sharp rendering, but don't, you know?
0: Well, on the other hand... Go for a camera lens. You know, what was what was missing out of Rogue One... I, not missing, I mean, I, I don't want to cr- critique any of the direction. I, 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 I like the film fine as it is, but what was interesting to me when I was a kid watching Star Wars was that George Lucas tried maybe almost too slavishly to emulate what he perceived as 40s, 30s and 40s movie making techniques. Right. Where it would have been a soft focus, you know, and that's, and you're right that, thank you that you've really put your, put your finger on what was wrong there. If they had gone for a soft focus shot, like there's Leah. And it would have been just, as you say, a little gauzy. gauzy, There we go. A little Vaseline on the, on the digital lens. That would have been in keeping with what the Star Wars series has, when it's clicked, been about.
1: I would even take it a step further. You could you could have posed her behind almost any, like a beaded curtain, or you know, just so that she's recognizable, but you don't see her whole yeah. face. You know?
0: Well, I mean, you know, what's done is done, and yeah. it was entertaining enough, and everybody's debated the heck out of that. Yeah. Speaking of beaded curtains and gauze. Uh, the other big casting news was, and this makes the young Han Solo film film perhaps the greatest film ever made. Okay. We have Donald Glover as young Lando Calrissian, which we said. Sir. Uh sir. Aaron Ehrenreich, or whatever his name is, uh, Alden Ehrenreich. You can tell I don't really give a damn. It's fine, because he's not young Harrison Ford. Um, and there's just, he has two big shoes to fill for me. But cast as... Uh, Han Solo's mentor, Woody Harrelson, and suddenly this has become the greatest <laughs> Star Wars movie ever made. Uh, the only well, they already used Alan Tudyk. That's the thing. As I as yes. I told Alan Tudyk there, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to drop that name on your table. I'll, I'll clean That's, that up later. you uh, but as as, that down. as I've said to Alan Tudyk, when I was both uh, sober and not, um, the only that if if they made. If somebody cast both of them, Woody Harrelson and Alan Tudyk, in a project together, it would truly be the greatest movie ever made for me. <laughs> I don't even care what it could be—the two of them just yelling at each other for an hour and a half. Yeah. But since they already used Alan Tudyk as K.S.O., you know, yeah, yeah, uh, and then they blew him up, and he was fantastic. Oh, spoilers! Uh, he, you know, he was—he uh, was fantastic in that role. And my only hope there is that since he was playing a droid, there might be other droids that talk just like, the yeah, same, yeah. like him so he could come back um, because he was definitely a breakout hit there. But anyway, Woody Harrelson is, uh, oh, my gosh. It just occurred to me that, of course, if young Han Solo takes place before A New Hope, Alan Tudor could be running around as the droid. Oh, he could be, yeah. I just thrilled myself. I'm sorry <laughs> again for that mess.
1: Well, uh, <laughs> now, what do you think? Uh, Woody as a strictly humanoid or alien?
0: Well, there's a lot of speculation as to what, because there have been so many versions of, I shouldn't say so many, but a couple of different versions of like who taught Han Solo to be Han Solo, basically. Uh-huh. If you go back to the Brian Daly novels, the Han Solo at Stars End, um, and I can't remember what the others were called. That was the first one, right? Right. Uh, the Han Solo trilogy, as they say. Uh, there was the implication that he had been an Imperial, uh, not an Imperial officer, a... Uh, um, a, whatever was there before the Empire, right? Um, that he had been an officer there, he'd been in the military uh-huh. and had been disgraced, and Chewbacca stood up for him, and it was it was it was a mistaken identity or something. So, there was somebody in the military that was kind of roguish that like he took the fall. So there's rumor of that. I guess one of the later there's a, a trilogy in the expanded universe or the legends, as you will, the Corellian trilogy. That yeah. mentions like an earlier pirate who taught him his thing. But then you know, and then people say, No, I'm not gonna go to the expanded universe. I'm like, Yeah, except right. Thrawn showed back up. Yeah. They're gonna uh, pick and choose. They can pick and choose, you know, what characters work. So no one really and knows. And none of the
1: previous Thrawn stories matter. It's it's just the right. character. The,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, so I'm holding out for Mara Jade, holding out for Mara Jade. Uh you know <laughs> Looks but, too old now. Well, no, 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 it doesn't have to be her. It's yeah. just you know, uh, I'm holding out for the two-carat... Well, Thrawn made it back in... Oh, and Zizer. Okay. There are three characters in the expanded universe that I know. So, yeah. you know, that's it. Uh, maybe Woody Harrelson played Dr. Afra. No, no. Although, you know, that's... Uh, apparently, one of the novels is going to pick up Afra. Oh. So, cool. um, it's kind of... I, don't ask me which name, because I'm so behind on the novels. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I'm, I'm behind on everything, except television. And uh, so... But anyway, whatever it is, Woody Harrelson's going to be roguish, and he's going to knock it out of the galaxy... And I'm thrilled by that. Yep. So that's that's my my big uh, movie news for the week. Um, and then we can turn to Star Trek news because that's where the big TV stuff is happening. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that I posted today. I did. That the Axanar case has been settled. The Axonar being, which you can look on the website as well. But uh, Axonar is the fan film that caused uh, CBS's lawyers to freak out. And revised everything you ever knew about what fan films could and could not do. But they have reached what to me is an interesting settlement. And I I reprinted a quote from the producer, the writer, producer, Alec Peters. That I don't know if that's really, if what he's saying is really true. Because almost every time that he has been smacked down, he has come back and said, Well, then I'm going to try this way around it. And I'm going to try this way around it. Um but I can't but we can confirm that while well, was supposed to be like a seventy or eighty minute film, there is a fifteen minute prelude to Axnar, and that's what you had talked about having seen. Right. That's kind of done like a Ken Burns film. Yeah. Uh, documentary. And it's all directed by Rob Meyer Burnett, who uh was one of the co creators of of what is more than a fan film, but an uh, absolute love letter to William Shatner, Free Enterprise, which I love. If you haven't seen free enterprise you should um i'm sure it's got to show up on a streaming service i realized when i linked on it
1: oh, i'm pretty sure it is i
0: linked to it on amazon i went um the dvd is kind of even you know it's a cool they've got a dual set that i don't have and i was like i want that but even on amazon it's over 40 bucks and so which means that it's sort of
1: i have like, this image of seeing it on one of the streaming services well, are you getting a Hulu?
0: It, it's it's worth looking up. Absolutely. It's a fun, fun movie with Eric McCormick, young Eric McCormick, and uh, I can't remember who the other actor is because I hadn't seen him or anything else. And then William Shatner as their kind of their play it again, Sam, uh, imaginary friend slash mentor, and then real. They meet the real right. William Shatner, and right. he's, he plays a very exaggerated, if you can imagine this, a very exaggerated <laughs> version of himself. Uh, it's great. Also, a young Phil Lamar is in that and has the single greatest rap version, one man rap version of Julius Caesar that you could ever imagine, and it's really good. Anyway, um, Rob Meyer Burnett was directing this. Christian Gossett, who has been a production designer in a lot of films, uh, created a comic book in the early uh, early days of this century called The Red Star, which was about a, a magic infused Soviet Union in Af- Afghanistan. So a really interesting techno sorcery uh, graphic novel that I thought w- should have been would have been bigger than it was and I did and I kind of lost track of him. I knew him early on. I met him and ind- and interviewed him in the early days for um, Daily Radar before Fanboy Planet, and then his Comic Con profile. Kind of every now and then he comes back up with production art for something. And he's really really talented man. Anyway, the three of these guys were working on this Axanar thing. Uh, Paramount slapped them down, or CBS TV, it's both of them really, slapped them down because they thought, and they were right, You know, they, they crowdfunded it through both Indiegogo and Kickstarter, raised over a million dollars. I don't know if that was their intention. And maybe you know these rules on YouTube better than I do, that apparently the fear was that if it's a, even though it was divided into acts like a television episode would mm-hmm. have, that because of the length of it, Either YouTube would have had to charge for it, therefore they could have made a profit. that's the latest interesting twist on it that I'm not familiar. you with would that. have had to pay for because of the length. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I know that there are movies that you can buy through YouTube right rather than, YouTube Red. yeah and you know which I'll make that recommendation right now because TCM just showed it on inauguration day. 1957 drama with Andy Griffith, a face in the crowd best way to access it is through uh, YouTube 399. Everyone needs to watch that film. Side note, no sci-fi whatsoever unless you consider Andy Griffith as a complete jerk uh, sci-fi. Dark fantasy. Dark fantasy. Uh, (laughs) Yes, there we go. Romance in the most classic sense of the term. Um, But anyway, satire. Uh, That Because of that, the settlement is, even though the fan film rules that CBS released were different, like I think it couldn't be more than nine minutes and you had to, Yeah, and every prop had to be made by them. Because most of the production work had been done, uh, they're letting it go through, but basically it can only be two segments as two separate 15-minute chapters. Right. So it's severely cut down. It's still going to exist. It's not posted. Prelude to Axanar, they made no, no ruling against that. They said, fine, you can still keep.
1: The pros can't take any money for it.
0: Right, and in the, but they do keep some of the cast members. Gary Graham is right. is in it. Tony Todd had already decided to leave, so he is not continue. Though I guess he's in Prelude to Axonar, and uh, you know. So, but then this is the thing that Alec Peters said: is Axonar Productions can still do Star Trek fan films. The other thing is, Axenar cannot use Star Trek in the title, right. which. I mean at this point anybody who wants to watch it already knows about it and what it what exists. So you can go on a Family Planet, see the and see the prelude to Axanar. I posted that today in my article about it. So um but he's saying he can, that they're still going to make Star Trek fan films. They can't publicly ask for money. And this is where I think there's something always just a little skeevy about what right. this particular guy does. I vaguely know Rob Meyer Burnett. I think he's a really honorable guy, really talented guy. He does a lot of DVD extras. Really great DVD producer. I like him. So I, you know, I, it, I, I don't. I'm going to assume he's fine. Christian Gossett, aka Goss, is fine. Alec Peters might be a, be a good guy. He's just got this in his head. He will always find a way around. He says so. I can't publicly accept <laughs> donations. Right, right, right. But if you want to make private donations. He made it in his statement, rather than saying, "You know, Here's I can't Indie Go right, right, I can't right. Kickstart it." But, <clears throat> you know, really, if you want to donate to PayPal at editor at fanboyplanet.com. no, I don't know who it is. Uh, you know, right? But it, but that was the kind of statement it was. It's like, mm, all right, you know. And we've talked about this before. Last week I got to run this thing where they've cast uh, James Frain as Sarek. Yes. For Star Trek Discovery, the mm-hmm. new series that's supposed to go on CBS Someday. All access. Someday. CBS no access at this point. Um, that it's it's missed its start date a couple times, and they say we want to get it right. Yeah. And like, yeah, no, 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 I totally get you want to get it right. But you almost missed the 50th anniversary with Star Trek Beyond. Because and and really, when you think about the size of what that franchise is. The actual movie for the 50th anniversary being Beyond, which wasn't a bad movie, I enjoyed it well enough. Yes, uh, because I do like the Kelvin univer- timeline and those ca- and that cast, but it was so strangely devoid of fanfare and hoo-ha, if you will, compared to other franchises that it's almost like Paramount and CBS don't really know what they have. They just know that it keeps putting uh, black in the ledgers. And it seems
1: like a tradition that Paramount that would whoever, not understand. That whoever the owns value. Star Trek
0: does not understand the value of yeah. it. Yeah, it yeah. does feel that way, and like they're bobbling, you know, Discovery. They're not. I mean, I don't know. There could be so many legitimate reasons, but I'm going to pa- pause it again with something like Axanar, which we've argued before, is like it's such an obscure piece of federation history. I speak of it as if that's a real thing, but it is, you know, it's definitely a movie just for the hardcore fans. Mm -hmm. And I would say I, in, in this age of, we don't know what's going on at the end of 2016. We did our end of the year podcast and we're talking about how the media delivery is changing so much. I mean, here I just said like this, Miniseries, uh, Good Omens, is, show, is going to be produced by Amazon of all things. Right. I, you know, they got me. I was. Brought
1: you, to you by Starbucks. <laughs> you know, whatever. And you didn't know.
0: I can't remember. One documentary and one of the films that just got nominated for an Academy Award was produced by Amazon so that they could right. put it in. And I think Netflix has one that got nominations too. They're producing so that they get the rights to it directly. They're becoming content creators. They well, I mean they have been for some time. But it's you know, that's changing and that's Alec Peters' argument is like, look at that. I mean, you're not in control anymore. There's all these competitors coming up and we don't know. And I can't keep track of which streaming service has what and and I think I'll be honest, I do think it's a mistake that CBS wants to throw in throw their hat into the ring to be a streaming service. Because most of what they have to stream is stuff that you can get elsewhere. Right. Like Twilight you, Zone is one of the things or to you see. likely already have on DVD or, or Blu ray. Ha- you, yeah, you know, and then their crown jewel was supposed to be Star Trek Discovery. That's mm-hmm. what was supposed to drive us all to CBS All Access. So the very people that would n- most likely, the geeks, for lack of a better term, that would be driven to it, we don't even have Supergirl to drive us there, which is, and please don't change this, <laughs> CBS. It's available on cwtv.com. Right. So five episodes, and then when that season's over, it's going right to Netflix 8 days later. So that's where I'm going to go for my my DC superhero series whatever I miss. So that's that's not working. I so I'd say I don't know what the deal Lucasfilm had was for their fan films. But every year at Comic-Con, there was a Lucasfilm. There was a Star there Wars a, fan film festival. There was a festival and awards. yeah, And there would be the Star Wars Celebrations. Yep, and this was a great show, too.
1: I mean, a great... And some really great not. stuff.
0: Well, you know, we've had Kevin Rubio on. Uh, Gilroy's own Kevin Rubio made his name. Uh, he's quite in demand writer for animation and, and television right now. Uh, he made his name with the fan film "Troops," the mm-hmm. one putting the stormtroopers in with uh, with cops back in '98 or '99. Yeah, a long time. ago. Yeah, I mean, w- when people didn't have the tools, you know, that was that was a big deal that he was able to do it, and that was
1: that was out just as people were going online from dial-up when people were just starting right, to get right. Real, right.
0: It was one of the first real viral videos yeah. in terms, you know, uh, narratives. And and now it's easier than ever for anybody. I mean, you know, as you noted, I, I look. I just bought an. I just got an iPhone SE because, frankly, my 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 iPhone 5s while it died, I had just bought this really sweet case. So I wanted. <laughs> it needed a phone that was the same. It is size. a very nice case. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so if you want to lab- know what lab- it lab- is, if lab- you, ur- you want to know what it is, write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. And I, he's right. It is lavender and teal. And I will, uh, I will send you a, a, a I will post the uh, JPEG of it. But anyway, um, and because it's a newer phone than what my five had been, I've got iMovie and GarageBand on my phone. Oh yeah, yeah. Which I'd never had before, and I, I haven't even dared open it up. I'm just like freaked out that it exists on my phone. But again, to think that I've got in my hand right now something as powerful as what people were struggling to put together 20 years ago, you right. know, as far as in editing is right. being able to shoot. Sure. I mean, the quality of the lens might not be that great, but it's amazing. They'd
1: be using the hunk, big hunking devices on I a big rack. That I could conceivably
0: and, do this yeah. on my phone. Yeah. So fan films are easier than ever. That kept Star Wars alive in fandom, just as Star Trek was kept alive in fandom by fans forever. Even J.K. Rowling, uh, allowed a very potter musical. They couldn't make a profit, and that's fine. I completely agree that until there is a way that the studio that owns the IP can get a taste can get a taste of yeah. it that you you're right. They we shouldn't be making a profit doing these fan films. Any, you know, any of that. Um but but a very potter musical, we wouldn't have Darren Chris who was just cast as the music meister on the Flash Supergirl musical crossover without jk rowling saying okay you can do this musical because he and his friends star kid productions out of college wrote that filmed it put it up on youtube jk rowling thought it was funny and allowed it to happen she said you just can't license it out to anybody else nobody else can do it but that's your creation that's great so you can watch it on youtube for free all you want mm-hmm. and you know that's that that's <laughs> the thing and mark has argued that about copyright is like You know, once at a certain point, you owe it to kind of put those characters or those concepts out into the ether to see what other people can do with it. So I, I will, we've, I've said it on the podcast before, and I'll say, and I, and I'll put it on the site, and I'll say it again. I think that studios need to move to a model where, for fan films, they put a reasonable, not an onerous, fee for the rights to use these characters a licensing fee a licensing fee yes yeah. i mean that's it you know it's a rights and royalties absolutely get a taste right let's change that and see what people can do because if if the very specific example if paramount isn't really sure what to do with star trek believe me paramount there is no fan film that is going to cut into the audience you would have for a star trek beyond mm mm-hmm. Just as there is no Star Wars fan film that would cut into the audience for the Last Jedi, which I think Lucasfilm gets, I don't know if Disney, as the new overlord, gets or not. Yeah. But there is that you know there is that reality. For one reason, as I've heard historically, that some of the fan films that have really caught people's attention over the years, those people, those storytellers, have really only been good in those little short short bursts so they're fun they keep people interested like i go again with that there was that great fan trailer for uh, grayson the story oh, of yeah. dick grayson yeah. coming back after batman's it's, been killed and had all the Justice league crazy and it was great and apparent you know i, I don't know it was a great three minutes yeah but I don't know that it would have been no a great... There was no story behind it. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just like, oh, great sheet scenes from something, you know, and because you know what you end up with? is Suicide Squad. Yeah, You can get a great trailer. Anybody, not anybody can put that together. That is a very specific skill. That is fantastic. But the person... They had several great trailers. Suicide Squad had great trailers, no yeah. doubt. And, you know, the, and but there's a difference between being able to put together a great trailer and a great full-length film. Right. But a fan film is like, there's that one with um, Venom, uh, the, which, oh, yeah. Uh, what's his name? Ryan Quantin from, uh, True Blood. It's mostly Eddie Brock, you know. Yeah, but he's Eddie. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's God, Eddie yeah. Brock. And then my friend Derek Mears, another name dropped on your table, but legitimately a friend, um, you know, is, uh, plays Bullseye mm-hmm. at the end of that. And it's like, and Marvel just let that one go. It's a really great, I mean, it's full of, profet- you know, actors you know. Yeah. And, you know, and it's it fun. But it was an interesting little take. It's almost like, like it was, these people put together a short film that would have been a one shot in a Marvel comic, which you're never going to get in a movie. Yeah. And you're never going to get even on a TV episode because the way Netflix has put, put the Marvel series together is that they're, how should I say, you know, they're, they're always a connected narrative. And I hate to say, I still haven't finished Luke Cage, but I'm realizing there is a pattern, which they better be breaking soon, of what the the shows do. Because by episode five or six it, you've seen the bad guy be really bad. Right. And then there's the episode that does all the flashbacks to show you why you should feel sympathy for that villain. Uh huh. And then another twist beyond that. And it's like, Wow, I mean I can't believe they fell into that pattern with only four shows. And <laughs> it's just like and there've only been a season each. And it's still good. It's still great. It's just like I don't think they actually
1: did that on Jessica Jones. So. Yes,
0: they did. Uh, they did do an episode They did the they episode with, with With the flashbacks With the medical with, experimentation right. I, know, they, I know And then they gave you another vision But it was it was about the same point In the series Yeah I and guess so And it's just you know And when you had the Wilson Fisk one In Daredevil
1: That was different That one, I, yeah. that I'm that with you on by the, And I
0: don't know about Iron Fist, But I, I, I do feel that The same thing happened In Daredevil season two hmm. Although it was the Punisher Which is okay Because you are supposed to feel Some sort of I think sympathy for why You can disagree with What Frank Castle right, does right But But you you can can understand that you
1: have to buy into the fact that it transformed him.
0: Yeah, Yeah. you know. So anyway, it's just uh, you know I I think there's a lot to be done with a Star Trek fan because I still go by the one that uh, Vic Mignogna was doing those you know those few episodes. Those are great. It's Those like, are the adventure. continues. Right, Star Trek. Uh, I know, because there's two. There's a new Voyages and Star Trek continues. Right. And, and, and he, the, Star Trek continues. He Star
1: Trek continues because what he does is he takes storylines from the original series and then he takes them to the
0: next thing that happened. Right. right. Well, he's, he's trying to fill in the gap between the, the original series and Star Trek, the motion picture. How yeah. did you get to these things? Like that one White Lotus, uh, White Orchid rather, right? White Orchid is... Um, because the first time a ship's counselor appears. So uh-huh. his question is like, you know, this is how the Federation first started it because when the next generation starts, right. Deanna Troy is just like, Oh, but every ship has a counselor. You know, how did that happen? Right. There's a holodeck origin, you At know. least
1: they did for a little while. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we never saw another counselor on another ship. <laughs> well,
0: yeah, they had a union. Um and it was just yeah, they broke up the union. I don't know. But yeah, he's filling in gaps that it's like, oh, Paramount, there's no time. It's like they I've had a couple of conversations about superhero movies, but both DC and Marvel. And see, so one reason, the one I was younger, I hated like the Tim Burton Batman killing the Joker. Why does the villain always have to die at the end of a movie? And I realized it's because with the speed that they make these storylines, right. even in a franchise, there's no time to get back to right. that villain because you've got so many other good ones you want to get to. So it actually does make sense to me now. There are stories you'll never be able to tell. You'll, you know, like there was a rumor cropped up that uh the guy who played Crossbones said, "No, I'm pretty much dead." And people were like, well, we want him back." And like, no, you don't want every Captain right. America movie to suddenly stop and, and see what's Crossbones, Crossbones doing these days. <laughs> exactly. You know, it, it just Marvel's Bane. You got to you got to move on. You got to, you know, I mean, the funny thing is uh, Jim Starlin, and because this touches your world, your interests quite a, quite a bit, just tweeted out yesterday or put on Facebook yesterday that he got a check for Batman v Superman because he created um, KG Beast. The oh guy my. with the scar is in yeah. there. Never dresses up as the KG Beast, but right. he's there. And he said, I, "I've got I got more money for that one movie. Oh my! Than I did for any appearance of Thanos, Drax, or Gamora. Wow." And he said, "I guess I should probably watch the movie." And then a lot of people were, you know, tweeting back at him. N- no, you don't yeah. have to. <laughs> but, but I think that you know that is an interesting thing. First of all, you know, it shows his awareness that Thanos really hasn't appeared that much in the in the Marvel universe. Right. His presence is felt, but he himself has not not been there. But you know, the thing is DC, and partially I think because DC had been linked in. As part of Warner Brothers for much longer than Marvel has been part of Disney, uh DC, you know, and, and I know this started under Paul Levitz, uh, who is now just a writer for DC, he is no longer the publisher, but mm-hmm. when he was the or the editor in chief, which I can't remember which one he was. I think he was editor in chief editor in chief. Yeah. He made sure whether he when he didn't even if he didn't like the character or the title, like uh Lucius Fox was created by uh I, I think by Marv Wolfman. And it was either Marv or Len Wein. And whichever one it was said, is was like, yeah, Batman Begins got me a new kitchen. And, you know, it's because they've always been good about making sure that the people, no matter how obscure it seems, like, who, you, you could right. put another character right. in there. Right. And the same thing with Batman v. Superman, you know, that it could have been anybody else. But there it is again. Who's going to make, I'll go back to that fan film I was mentioning about Menem. Who's going to make a bullseye fan film? And or who's going to put bullseye just a little casual in somebody else's story, you know? Put Derek Mirrors in there. It's got to be a fan film. It's got to be you know. And and, and there's fun. And, and again, only the those who are hardcore fans are going to seek him out. If I went to work tomorrow and said, "Hey, have you seen Grayson?" Mm-hmm. and they'd say, "What floor is he on?" You know, I mean, they right, wouldn't think, right, right. they wouldn't know. Or you know, so it's the same thing. A hey, hey, we just resolve the acts in our situation. Nobody's gonna know, right. and it's a, you know—it's a Star Trek. Oh, is the new movie coming out? You know, and that's all they care about. Yeah, you know, but it's the fans want to seek about. It, so let them play, and that's uh, just let them play. Just let them play, and I, I think that's a perfect point to, to stop. Although actually, there's one revival I I didn't put down. I got an email this morning, or last, I think it was last night. This is of interest to listeners. There's a Cars Three video game coming. Which isn't news, okay? But it's who's doing it. Warner Brothers Interactive has bought and revived Avalanche Studios. Oh, oh. do you know who Avalanche Studios are? Uh, and that was who
1: killed them. Yeah, that was uh, uh, the Infinite in, in, infinity. infinity.
0: So Avalanche is back. Disney They're infinity. doing Disney properties. Huh. Warner Brothers Interactive owns them. What game do they own? Lego Dimensions. Yeah. So, I am just making a prediction slash prayer for 2017. Redeem it now. We could. We could. I'm not saying there's nothing in the press release that right. even mentions Infinity. But if the people that made and supported Infinity have Gone back to work, and they're working on Disney properties. And Warner Brothers is foot in the bill, and Warner Brothers, we know, can actually understand their way around. Uh, they know their way around the interactive gaming community in a way that Disney never quite felt comfortable. Right. We might see a revival. We might see Infinity come back from the dead. You know, and,
1: be super cool about that. DCU. I can't Infinity. think. Infinity.
0: Uh, that would be amazing. Although DCU is already in dimensions. I mean, we I might, know, you know, but, but yeah.
1: Marvel is not in dimensions. Right. So, so
0: it's either way. That's, why I think there might be Marvel. going it, to, you know,
1: Batman could play in the guardians of the galaxy toy box.
0: See so many possibilities. Yeah. It was worth just stopping my, my, my flow there just to bring that up. Right. I mean, yeah. just to say this is my prediction for the week. Maybe that should be a segment, you know, pointless prediction of the week. Um, I'm hoping. I'm not. St- I yeah. don't mean to start this as a rumor. It's just a. Piece in the in-
1: practical side of this, isn't doesn't Infinity go dark end of this month, or is it March? Uh,
0: I it think all- it's
1: first something
0: of 2017, like first quarter, maybe. Yeah, so? yeah. I think it's the. I think it's I the guess. end of March. I mean, they already stopped. You couldn't do toy boxes.
1: They they aren't accepting any new ones. You can still download toy boxes, and they've right. sent out mails to if you are on the right list, saying you can download the stuff right now, and you'll have it for as long as your storage lasts. But if you get a new, you download
0: all that stuff, yeah. Well, I'm not getting rid of my PS3 for exactly that yeah. reason, right? Uh, you know, I went to PS Pro, and everything new I get is that the PS3 is staying active, yeah, so that I can play, and you can still get you know figures. But anyway, there it is. You know, I And I was inspired to say this because I was talking to Chris Garcia yesterday and he said he, he was listening to old episodes. It's always funny because in a weird Chris Garcia way, it's like this. I was listening to one of the first ones that I was on. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh. yeah. Uh, but I do that too. Uh, but he said what was interesting when you talk news and we've talked about format and things being too inside. He said it's interesting when you've talked about something that ended up being important. Uh-huh but wasn't really at the time. And I thought, interesting. That's, that's interesting. I pride myself on kind of like trying to put pieces together. And so that's my piece, my piecing together of the week. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I just wouldn't be surprised if suddenly we get an infinity a, a announced for like Christmas, 2017. And of course we'd all be very happy. I would be very happy because I've got this huge storage case. I know. One of the few things I'm actually organized about <laughs> because I loved infinity so much. Anyway, that's it. If you if you too love Infinity, write in. I don't care, actually, whatever you want to write in about. Please do. Um, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. And uh, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with, or, or I don't know, if you listen on a weekly basis. We'll be back eventually, whenever you choose to download us. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'm Derek McCaw,
1: editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com. It's a timeless thing. I'm Rick Brett Snyder, reminding you to...
0: Use your powers only for good. i and I'll never, bad. I'll never surrender.
1: And, and thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreat.com. Luke, L-U-K-E-S-K-I, dot com.
0: Uh, I'm Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com. It's a timeless
1: thing. I'm Rick Brett Snyder, reminding you to use, use your, your powers, powers only for good.
0: good. Isn't it great when we're synchronized? Well, I was going to say, <laughs> should I wait? with <laughs> We're live.